Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Becoming Unassailable podcast. This podcast is all about helping your executive or leadership team thrive amid change and disruption by embracing forward change together as a team, which is the only way for your organization to become unassailable. My name is Mark Kenny, speaker, author, and strategic advisor. In each episode, we'll tackle a challenge that is keeping your executive or leadership team from embracing forward change together. In this episode, we are going to talk about the disconnect that is common between senior leaders and employees. If you are still seeing issues with turnover, communication between top leaders and employees, if people still aren't motivated or engaged in their work, this episode is for you. You are going to learn how nothing has really changed. These issues have been around for a while and how some organizations have learned to do it right, despite the pandemic in the last couple of years. For this challenge, I turned to Dr. Deborah Watts. Dr. Watts has more than 20 years of experience helping people and organizations grow. She is the founder and CEO of Hayden Company, a talent optimization consulting firm, and she is the new Director of Graduate and Executive Education at the University of Tennessee, Haslam College of Business. Before we get started, please take a moment and subscribe to this podcast, share it with someone else, and let's get on to the conversation. Deborah Watts, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And uh, I guess it's actually Dr. Deborah Watts. Sorry. Well, you know, if we're getting technical, then yes. <laughs> yes. And I see I you have your hard vote. for those letters. You did. You did. So I wanted to acknowledge that. And you have your voting sticker on. I've got my voting sticker. It's Perfect. November 8th. So we did our, our did duty, duty today. Wanted to point that out. Well, let's yeah. jump into the conversation. You, you have a, a lot of experience and your background is in the show notes You've worked with small teams. You've worked with really large organizations. Lately, especially, what are you seeing or hearing from executives, struggles that they're having with getting their executive teams to either embrace change or just come together and work together? Yeah. Um, well, Mark, it's not it, it's not rocket science, meaning... Um, yes, we can say since COVID, things have changed with the workplace, with remote work, with people wanting to work still from home, not be in the actual office. Um, and those things are real. But I think um, the issues that have always been there between senior leadership communicating from the top down, I think the issues are still the same. And it really comes down to what, what I call courageous leadership. Uh, leadership is not easy. It is hard. And uh, it, it's a bit, it should be a bit gut-wrenching on a daily, weekly basis. And if you're not feeling that uncomfortableness, uh, then I would say you probably have some things in the organization that have either become complacent, just, you know, status quo, it is what it is, and we're not going to do anything to give that extra dis discretionary effort. Um, or you've got some real conflict going on, and you're either in denial, or you know what's happening, you don't know what to do about it. But it's it's the same thing. It's 
quite honestly, it's what keeps me in business um, and probably you as well. Um, it, it, it does come down to that community. So let me dig into a couple things that you said, because you're speaking yeah. my language here a little bit. So, yeah. so you said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I heard you say, yeah, pandemic, remote work. I hate to say yada, yada, but like, yes, right. those are real. But the real issue has is the same things that have always been there. Um, so would you say that the pandemic and the remote work has just kind of exposed that or or has just made it a little more obvious? Or if you haven't been doing it before, then you're really going to be in trouble now. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Well, let's put it this way. You know, there there was good and bad with COVID and meaning we we learned to adapt. We had to change whether we wanted to or not. Some good things came out of it that we learned how to be more productive and do Zoom and video and communicate online, even if we weren't together. Um, so that's what, what I mean by the, the small positive there. Um, but yeah, these, these things have always existed. Um, and in fact, in many ways, the workplace is a better place, right? Because we have this hybrid work environment. That didn't exist before. It, you had to be in the office, right. and that was the only way we could get work done. So now it's actually better for many employees um, in that um, a lot have an option, even if that option is one day a month or a week, you get to work from home or whatever remote location you want to be at. So in many ways that has improved, but communication still between the top and the whole senior leadership team and employees still seeing the same issues. There's still turnover. People still aren't um, motivated and engaged in their work. Um, we've got people, uh, you know, these high turnover rates right now and the great resignation. Um, we can't blame that all on, you know, being working remote or not working remote. I'm sorry. These are issues that have been around. You've got organizations that are learning how to do it right and how to communicate and how to be vulnerable. And then you've got companies that just are resistant to change. Um, and so now we're going to mask it with, oh, it's because my employees want to work remote. I don't think that's the case. Right. Yeah. Cause you, I think you said it because there are companies that aren't experiencing the same turnover issues that people want to work for yeah. um, because they are doing these things well. So we can't, it's easy to, to blame it on, on some of the factors that you talked about. What does courageous leadership look like? Like what are some of the things that a courageous leader would be doing during the week, during a day that would make them uncomfortable, but like, that's their job. They need to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Definitely embracing the discomfort. What you should be feeling it. If you're not feeling a little uncomfortable at least a couple of times a week, then things are probably too steady, too complacent. Um, the other is really listening to your employees and building that trust. And to do that, you as the executive have to show empathy. If you want people to open up and trust you, you show them that you're human. Um, and regardless, you know, I, it's, I call it visible integrity, right? How you show up every day. Uh, everyone notices that. I always tell um, executives, especially in uh, leadership development training, you're not the leader that you tell me about. You're the leader that your team tells you. So you can say you're doing all these great things, but when I go talk to your team or when we do a 360 and we get feedback, from your direct reports and your peers, what are they saying about you? So I would say, get in there, open up the dialogue, 
be available, be approachable, uh, be transparent. Uh, and then the, it's age old truth of just active listening. You've got to listen to your folks. And when I say listen, at, when you're at the top, if you're only listening to the folks at the top, you're missing a lot. So, uh, you know, whether it's skip level meetings or whether you're having a barbecue once a month, uh, at least once a quarter, and you're talking to the frontline folks, the people that are interacting every day with your customer or client, uh, that's the information that you that you really want. Um, you, you want to be able to know what is happening at the frontline level of the organization. And to do that, you have to be present. All right. So, so I'm, but Deborah, I don't have time to do skip level meetings and spend all that time. There's a lot of pressure on me. Like I'm busy. Yes. I'm a busy executive. Like that's not my job, is it? Yeah. So that is such a great statement, Mark, because I hear it almost every single day. This is your job at that executive level. That's that's the point of when we take on the title of leader, we actually have to step into that role. We have to make a shift in what we do every day. And if we're still trying to be an individual contributor, because that's how we get our checkmark, our aha every day, um, and we're trying to lead the company, you just can't do that. So I would say, if you think, man, I don't have time to really lead and to be with my people and to talk to them and communicate and find out really what's going on, I would say it's a good time to sit down and look at where you're spending your time. Yeah, that's um, really e Yeah, even if it's just making a list, take the next 10 days, next 10 business days and make a list. Where are you spending your time? You will see some themes arise and and you will it will be a like an aha wow this is probably not where i need to be spending and just before we go on from this point just to get real practical you mentioned like 360 degree feedback mm -hmm. great do, do you also recommend something like uh like marshall goldsmith talks about getting in the moment feedback like just asking a question like how can i do better yeah uh, would you recommend something like that as well just so it's it's not even complicated i just need to be intentional about getting Absolutely intentional. Love Marshall, by the way. Um, and that is exactly, you can't always have formal feedback sessions. Um, so I'm a big, hey, let's have a quick one-to-one. -one. Um, it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five minutes. It can be 10 minutes. Um, it, when I talk to leaders that have a lot of direct reports, uh, you know, they say, oh, I don't have an hour to spend with each person. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five minutes. It can be on Zoom. It can be around the water cooler. It can be over a cup of coffee, whatever the case may be. But in five minutes, you can really understand what's going on in somebody's world by just saying what's going on in your world. Um, I typically, with my team, will do a one-word check-in once a week. That one word, Mark, will give me so much indication as to what's going on in that person's life that I can later follow up um, not in a group setting where it might be a little uncomfortable, but hey, if your one word is overwhelmed, then I make a mental note. I'm going to follow up with so-and-so because their one word was overwhelmed. What's going on in their world? So like they're giving you one word 
yeah. as, a, as a check-in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I have the privilege of coaching high school girls basketball a little bit. I might steal that. Just Yeah. Just that. No, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay, great. So, so let me go um, back to something you said earlier. It's all about communicating. And I'm going to tie into communicating to your leadership team that you, I think you mentioned that. How? How should I be communicating to my leadership team? Yeah. Well, it has to be frequent, right? It has to be frequent. So this idea of, and I hear this, believe it or not, I hear this often. Oh, I meet with my leadership team once a month. Things change in a business on a daily basis. So at a minimum, you should be getting together in some capacity. Again, if it's a conference call, if it's a Zoom, if you're able to all be in person, uh, does not have to be an hour. Again, it can be 15, 20 minutes but you should be keeping your finger on the pulse. Um, how many things do you go and leave unattended, right? Uh, we have to follow up and check on things. We have to see how things are going. And if you think about each of your team members, they represent a part of your business. And if you think about just from their compensation alone, if you add up what each of those executives is making, even on average, that's what you need to manage from a, let's just take the, the real business and go straight to what is, what is this costing me? So would you just, uh, you know, put money in a, a fund and never check to see if it's performing, if it's going up or down, should you move things around? Do you need to, to make some changes? Do you need to leave it? What's the case? It's the same thing with your team. Add up what your, all of your direct reports cost you. That's what you're responsible for managing. For me, Mark, I don't know. I don't want to let that go for a month and not check in to, and see what's going on. So it really needs to be regular at least once a week. And even in that week period of time, you need to be doing some one-to-ones with your team. Right. Yeah. Love that. Because you want that team to work together as well. Because I mean, there's lots of initiatives these days that are crossing yes. functional boundaries. So yes. That needs to be yeah. a team. And so yeah. what you're saying is, yeah, we're not talking about like emailing everyone once a week or no. we're, we're talking spending time together in whatever format that is. And again, being intentional about communicating, getting check-ins and so forth with that team. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's imperative for you and running the business. So that's selfish. But the part that is not selfish is you're giving them your time. And, you know, my belief is everybody needs a coach. Well, you, you don't see, and, and I love, you know, football and sports analogies, um, but you don't see a coach saying, this is our strategy for the year. And then they leave and, hey, I'll get back with you after a couple of games and check in. That's uh, right. Not what you see. It is intentional, constant communication. If you want those key players to go out there and make the plays that you want them to. Love that because oftentimes they're out there and you think they know the play. They think they know the play, but they really don't know the play. Right? Exactly. So it and takes a lot of, of communication. Best, a lot of communication. Some of the best of the best. They know exactly what they've been, what they're doing, what they've been doing for years. But every time they come off the play or off the field, what are they doing? They're adjusting that play. They're adjusting what they're going to do next. Uh, you've got to be able to adapt and change and pivot in the moment. So. Um, what about, let's take it from the leadership team perspective, executive leadership team, what are some ways that you have seen work for them to communicate to the rest of the organization? So everybody yeah. else knows what the direction is and it is, has that level of clarity. 
Yes. So this is absolutely paramount. The way that you, a senior leader, the, the, the CEO speaks to his or her senior leadership team, that has to get cascaded down differently. What that looks like for a frontline employee is absolutely different than what it looks like to a mid-level manager, to a, a vice president, to the executive leadership team. So the ability to be able to take what your leader says to you and disseminate that in a language that makes sense for your direct report is absolutely critical. So and I call that, that all the way down. down. Yes, it. exactly. Yep. And speaking the language of that person, uh, because they may not understand the big lofty goals, but what is it? What's their why? What is what is the uh, you know, are you if you just what story are you telling your direct reports that inspires them and helps them to understand the overarching goals of the organization? Um, it's the old is, are you a bricklayer or are you building a cathedral? What would you rather be told, Mark, by your leader? Oh, you're just a bricklayer or Mark, today we're working on the cathedral again. This is what we're building. This is what we're looking to achieve. That mm -hmm. motivates people. That inspires people. I love that. I love the cascading communication. Totally on board with that. And it's not just, and I also love the, it's not just regurgitating the information I get, but it's kind of retelling it in a way that's applicable to my own team. Yes. How, how their work fits into that. What yeah. is important for them to, to uh, help the whole organization achieve that. Love that. Okay. A couple follow-up questions. One, yeah. I'm on the leadership team. My executive <clears throat> is, isn't doing that. So I'm kind of frustrated. I'm, um, I'm really not clear. Uh, feels like we're not really operating as a team. What would you say to that person? Oh, we're back to courageous leadership again, Mark. Um, whatever level you are in the organization, once you take that leading others role, whether you're leading others um, or leading other leaders or you're leading a functional leader, um, a level or business unit, it's courageous leadership. You have to be able to manage up. And I know my leaders just cringe when we're doing a leadership development workshop and they hear that. Mm -hmm. But you absolutely, you have to manage up because otherwise what we get is then that, that uh, sort of bottleneck in the organization where change and progress and productivity and business results, they stop with that one leader because they think, oh, I can't get around. I can't do anything because I'm not getting it from my leader. The reality is there are going to be people in the organization that aren't leading at what I call the right level. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, it may not be their fault. If you don't know what you don't know. So if you've never had the training, you've never learned how to step into your role at that level, you may have missed it. So sadly, there's occasions where we have to manage up. Um, and by the way, it doesn't always work out well. Um, you can get time on your leader's calendar to have a conversation with her or with him, um, you may find that you're not going to get anywhere with that person. Maybe it is the Peter principle where they've been promoted one path, what their capabilities are. So you're, you're kind of stuck. In that situation, that's where I say you lead the best that you can. You lead at the right level in your role. You make sure you're coaching and developing your team. At some point, someone will get it that this person, this other person 
probably isn't in the right role and needs to be moved to another role or needs to be moved out. Um, and if we're speaking very bluntly and courageously, sometimes that person never goes away. Sometimes that is, person won't, will what? Doesn't, doesn't go away. Oh, sometimes right. that person is there indefinitely and it is what it is. Um, and so therefore you have to decide how are you going to manage the right way for you and your team, mm -hmm. despite having um, or not having that support from your leader? Because really, that's almost that's often the case. There's no perfect yeah. organization where everything and every leader is healthy and doing it the right way. So uh, you're you're often gonna we're also often gonna have that choice in our career. Is yes, is, is what are we gonna do? How are we gonna show up? How are uh, we gonna show? up? Let me ask just a practical question, because sometimes yeah. we hear like managing up and being courageous, but what does that really look like? Like, like what, what would that, what does that conversation need to, need to look like? Yeah. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a couple of things at a high level, I think organizations need to realize people don't just get this stuff. If you are a subject matter expert and you get promoted to a leader it doesn't change that you're a subject matter expert in whatever area that is, but you don't have specific leadership skills or you don't know what those are or you don't know what they should be in your role. So at, at the very high 30,000 foot level, organizations need to realize that folks need training throughout their promotions. They need to understand how to make that shift from a subject matter expert and individual contributor to now I'm leading other human beings. Um, you have to provide them some sort of training. Um, so th there's that. Then the practicality of what we just talked about, there may come a time that you find yourself in a situation where you do have that leader that hasn't stepped into that role and they don't embrace uh, authentic leadership and they're not leading at the right level, you may say to yourself, I only can continue to do this for so long. And there comes a time that you may have to, to accept if this person isn't leaving, then I can continue to do my job the best I can. Or at some point I may need to make a change either somewhere else in the organization, or I may need to move out of the organization. Um, but to, Courageous again is saying we're not just going to accept this and say I'm not I'm not going to do my job because my leader isn't doing this. Um, so, that's not okay. So would you rec? Because there, there's a few people in my head. I have their their um, their faces in my head because I, I think course. they're dying for me to ask this. Like, would you have them approach the leader in that position and humbly yeah. say, "Hey, this is what I need," or "This is yes. what I'm not getting," and have yes. that uncomfortable conversation? Yes, it's hard to ask an individual contributor, a frontline associate to do that. But once, if, if what we're talking about is anyone that is in a leadership role that is now leading others, they don't have a choice to say, I'm not going to have that difficult conversation. They have to have it, Mark. They have to get on their leader's calendar. They have to sit down and talk to them about it. And it may be that they agree to disagree. But at the minute you take on the role of being a leader, it is on you to then go meet with your leader and try to get on the same page. And it may take more than one conversation. Um, you may have to dig deep in that uncomfortable zone that we talked about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've got several people in my head that I'm working with right now that I'm thinking about that they're in it right now. Um, I've got one having a conversation. He's a vice president of a, of a company, has been there for 15 years. And tomorrow he's having a difficult conversation with this. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that's the job. Like That's that, the job. It's, it's a burden. It's uncomfortable. You step into that role. And I like your spin on that, Deborah, because it's not just leading down. It's, it's you know, all sorts of uncomfortable it's, conversations. Yeah, up, down, and sideways. Absolutely. But, and I want to make it clear, um, not everyone needs to be in a leadership role. Uh, and we need to do better in organizations with, oh, the only way you get a promotion, the only way you get more money um, is for you to lead human beings. Mm-hmm. I have been in this business over 20 years. I started when I was 12, right? Um, a <laughs> long time, a long time, Mark. And the reality is many people don't want to lead and they take the position just to get more money and the better title because that they feel like that's the only thing they can do. I think right. one thing we have to do better at, um, particularly here in the US, I think Europe has really embra- embraced this concept, but giving uh, subject matter experts, identifying them as specialists and allowing them to be specialists and to be really good at their role. And maybe there's different levels of being a specialist, but not forcing people to say, if I want more money and I want a different title, I'm going to have to go manage human beings, which I know nothing about, which my company is not going to give me any training on. Um, Again, I think that's where being courageous, saying I'm really good at this. Um, Maybe there's a couple of tiers to being a specialist, but I don't want to manage other human beings. That makes a lot of sense to me, Deborah. Um, I espouse the same thing. I don't know if we'll ever get there, but I hope so. (laughs) No, I hope so too. I'm confident. I'm confident. (laughs) Um, That's great. So, So much practical um, insights and here and a couple, a couple things I, you made me even think of a little differently. So I appreciate oh, that. Good. Yes, T- good. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, absolutely. Um, well, I am the founder and CEO of Hayde and company started the company. In fact, we are in November. So it's our five year anniversary. Congratulations. Um, it's a big deal. Thank you for small companies to make it to that five year mark. That's a big yes, deal. I have a boutique consulting firm and I really specialize in what um, I call head, heart, briefcase. Um, So assessments that help organizations get that individual into the best position they possibly can at the company, basically to make the sounds uh, probably cheesy, Mark, but uh, my goal in life is to make the workplace a better place. We just, we spend too much time there to have it not be a great place to not want to get out of, go, you know, That's get out right. of bed and go to work every day. Um, so Hayden Company focuses on assessments around emotional intelligence and cognitive and behavioral, how somebody is hardwired. Um, in addition to that, I am um, just recently took a faculty position at the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I will be overseeing all executive education and leadership development um, for UT here in the Nashville area. And that's a big deal, right? That sounds like a big deal. It is huge. It is huge. But it goes back to what we just talked about, right? Leadership development and what that looks like. And what we're seeing is organizations are crying out for help in this area. They don't want to lose long-term employees. They don't want to lose their rock stars, their A players. They don't want to lose those folks. And so I think it's a perfect time for UT to be in Nashville, to be able to offer these customized leadership development programs where they're 
going into an organization, understanding what are your issues, not ABC metal company, but what are your specific issues and how can we design a training program that addresses those issues? Um, so I, I think it's it's perfect timing for, for UT to be here in Nashville. Well, congratulations. Well, Thank well you. deserved. You have such a stellar reputation. I mean that that seriously. So you'll, you'll you. you're perfect, perfect for that. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, how can they how can they find out a little more? Yes, definitely check out the show notes. Um, you've got email, phone number, text, call, whatever the case may be. I'm on LinkedIn under Deborah Watts. Feel free to send me a connection um, and happy to help um, however I can. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Deborah. I appreciate okay. it. You're welcome. Thank you. Mark. All right. Take care.